can you explain love to me? Can I explain love to you? Hmm. I guess it's a recognition that the other person is the same as oneself. Are we the same? Yeah. Wow, Mindy, you've you've taken to you've taken to the VN, <laughs> the vocal. Um, I was going to say vocal narcissism. <laughs> now that's what a lot of people think of voice notes are. It's just vocal narcissism. Well, it may be vocal narcissism for you, but for those of us who enjoy narcissistically vocalizing. <laughs> Uh, another word for it is free, free association. You know, I think the, the, the most charming and interesting voice notes, and I, I really, you know, love voice notes, as you can tell. Um, I, I see them as like a slow conversation that you can have. You know, they're not as... I don't know. Uh, there's some, there's a very interesting, because I, I have, I do this a lot with friends. Um, we send each other voice notes and some days we'll send each other loads of voice notes and other days we'll send each other just a couple. But it's something that I really, really enjoy doing with people. And it's sort of like a slow conversation. And the cynics and the critics of the, of the vocal narcissism, what they say, right, is they say, oh, well, it's just one person just pontificating to another person. You know, it's just one windbag talking to another windbag. <laughs> one person creating their own private podcast for, and it's like, and it's like, well, maybe. But another way of looking at it is that I think it's a rare and genuine gift. And I would say this, of course, because I suppose this is the gift that I like to think I'm giving, even though people are also paying me for it. Um, to give someone your full attention without interrupting them, without thinking, oh, I, oh, oh you said that, oh, well, that makes me think of this. Before you know it, um, uh, you've reestablished yourself in the flow. But to actually, and I think a voice notes allow us to do that. They allow us to just listen, to really listen to another person, really take them in, really like, huh, okay. Hmm, interesting turn of phrase, you know, but not like, not in a, that detached way, because um, I'm not listening to you in a detached way, I'm listening to you in a kind of um, enthralled way. <laughs> of course, I'm a sexual fall, what do you want? Uh, that's, that's part of that, um, you know, when things, things, people, ideas interest me, uh, I get, I get, very interested. I get very curious and uh, interested, kind of excited, I suppose. Um, but I am also uh, an air type, airy fairy. Um, yeah, but I think you. I think you. If you had a birthday two weeks ago, would that make you Aquarius? That's that's that. Aquarius, Aquarius is an air type, and also very, free, very much the free spirit, the Aquarian. Your birthday is not actually on Valentine's Day, is it? No, it can't be. It must be in two weeks ago. What's that? February the tenth, something like that. Um, 
Yeah, loquacity, verbosity, windbaggery. Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because one person's loquacity is another person's windbaggery. And it's, does it really just depend on whether we're interested in what that person is saying? So, I mean, I didn't find anything loquacious or, or um, ex excessive in terms of the time you took to say it. Uh, in your vote, in your last voice note at all. Uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, but is when we when we say someone's being a windbag, for example, right? And um, one of my greatest fears is that I I I, I may be a windbag. Uh, I try not to be a windbag, uh, or at least an, if I am going to be a windbag, at least be an entertaining windbag, right? At least actually think I'm I'm trying to say something that's going to either entertain, or hopefully enlighten you in some way. I don't know, ideally, ideally both. Isn't that the the BBC remit? You know, entertain, enlighten, and um, elevate. I don't know, something like that. So. Yeah, so, so that's how I see it. I see it as a, like a slow conversation, which is quite nice to have. And it also sounds like, yeah, it sounds like you are, as I would expect of a hot type, doing a lot of deep thinking about what is love anyway. I, I often, I, I, I call it uh, the Howard Jones question because that's my association uh, with, you know, Howard Jones, what is love anyway? Um, my current take on that is I make the distinction between the L word and love. So, for example, if we're in a relationship, <laughs> sorry, this is maybe going to be a little bit, little bit over cynical for here. If we're in a relationship and I am feeling very tender special feelings for you, I might say, I L you. But because I know that I L you, I mean, I, maybe in the past I would have said I love you, but now I would probably say I L you, which is to, so for both of us to just recognize that, <laughs> that there may, might be a difference between that sort of unconditional positive regard, love, and um, the stuff that we do in relationships. But maybe I'm just, I'm just a cynical idealist. But all of this stuff really, really um, interests me, both personally and uh, obviously, you know, in what I do. And I'm very fortunate that I have this. I have a friend, a friend, um, uh, who we're both we're both dating at the moment. Um, she's she's about I don't know eight or nine years older than me, but she's also the same personality type as me. She's literally, you know, it's it's quite scary actually. I'm like, oh my god. You're not doing that, are you? Uh, you don't do that too, do you? <laughs> uh, yeah, same personality type, um, but she has a different trifix. Uh, she's got a different... Um, so I'm a four, five, eight, and she's a four, seven, nine. Um, and this is Frank, Francisca, and we... This is most of what our voice notes are about. <laughs> Um, you know, because also she is doing at the moment, she's a, another psychotherapist, but she wants to, she wants to be more of a kind of, I don't know, dating coach, dating therapist thing. And so she's doing this course through the, um, 
forgotten the name of this institute. Um, something like conscious dating or something like that. Uh, it's basically to train people up to be, you know, um, love coaches or something. Uh, but but yeah, this uh, there's some really really good stuff that I've got from having these conversations with her because I don't think I've really looked at it from a sort of I don't know the way that that she's sort of packaging it up. Um, so like for example, you know, thinking about. One thing I've picked up from her is really important is this uh, thinking about requirements, the difference between requirements, needs and wants. So your requirements are sort of your deal breakers. I guess those are the things that you really, really want, um, which may be slightly different to your needs. Your needs are like, I, I, that would be great. Um, I need this. And the wants are, well, that'd be great, but if I don't get it, oh well, you know. C'est la vie. Um, and... That's been useful. Um, maybe we could, <laughs> maybe we could swap our requirements and needs list, um, or maybe, yeah, I guess that's your that's your requirements and needs. What you were talking about, it's like what is it you've really understood now, having been a, having been through the mill a little bit, right through the relationship mill. What is it you've understood about what you? What's genuinely, genuinely important to you? I mean, maybe more important than whether the two of you um, are both into, uh, I don't know, succession or whatever. Succession and going on beach holidays. Um, although I, I do like succession and, yeah, I'm not unprone to a beach holiday. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, how about it? Maybe we do the crazy list because I know, I know, you know, I also know because we're hard types, we're, you know, we, we, we'll have fun with it. It's not like we're going to um, be all judgy about it. Well, we might be judgy. No, we won't be judgy. We're, we're not, we're not judgmental creatures. Um, not that judgmental anyway. And maybe we should do it. What is the crazy list? Yeah, like, like, you know, what's, what's the goods and what's the bads? <laughs> But I think I think it's kind of spelt out. I mean, I think it's spelt out in the in the um, in the Enneagram diagnosis. I really think it is. But but I don't know how much of that applies to you. How much how little of it it does. Um, um, but that would be fun. I'm I'm up for that. <laughs> I'm up for that. On that question of love. Um, I'm listening at the moment. There's this, there's this filmmaker I really love. Love, I do love him with a capital L, even though he annoys me at times. Um, which is a sign of good love, you know, good, strong, solid love. You know, like you like, you like, ah, you like, ah. Do you have to be that way? But I still love you. Um, a guy called Kafir Zahedi. He's a um, Iranian American filmmaker. Uh, but he also is now doing podcasts, and he's doing this very peculiar podcast. He's a four. Uh, I think he's an Essex four. Um, he's doing this very peculiar podcast where, I mean, peculiar, brilliant, I think, but very navel-gazy, uh, but brilliant, um, but very navel-gazy, where he, <laughs> he records, he records, he basically records himself all day long, um, and, but then he only releases just one minute of his day for 
one curated minute, but it's it's not edited. It's just one minute, and and a lot of it because he's also got a girlfriend who's also a four. Uh, that's a bag of laughs. Um, yeah, it's mainly it's mainly just about their conversations, um, and not always the healthiest of conversations. But he he, it's quite fascinating what what kind of comes up in these in these minute long segments. Um, but one thing that was in the minute, which really I was thinking about, uh, I'll send it to you, I think I, I, think I screen grabbed it, was, um, yeah, this discussion they had. Uh, I'd be interested what you think of his definition of love. Yeah, let me, let me, just, let me just send it to you. Mm. And then you can be loquacious for 12 minutes about that. I shall look forward. I, for one, absolutely love your TED Talks, and you can keep them coming. Um, I find it fascinating. This is all new territory for me. Um, I am one for self-discovery. I am trying to learn more about myself. In fact, this past week, both my younger sister and one of my closest friends both called me a people pleaser. And it really irritated me. But the fact that you know, my sister's in New York and my friend is here. And I thought, why would they both say that in, in the same week? So there must be an element of truth to that, although I haven't looked very far into it yet. But it's interesting. Um, I tend to learn a lot about myself through things that other people observe about me. And I find it really, really interesting that people's perceptions of me are completely different than my perceptions of myself. Um, and I wonder why that is. And I don't know if it's that I'm projecting. With my very close friends, I feel like I'm being me, my authentic self, all the time. Um, and they're in agreement with each other, as seen in a... I recently had a birthday about two weeks ago, and I got my friends together. My mom came to town to visit, and I had a lunch for about 12 people. And I didn't even realize that I had 12 friends until I was trying to cut down the guest list. Most of my friends have never met each other, which was a very interesting luncheon. Um, I do realize that I I don't have a, a, a big group of friends, although I do have various friends, if that makes sense. But perhaps that's because I'm foreign and I've made friends um, along my journey. Anyway, they were asking my mother a lot of questions about what I was like when I was little. Was she always like this? Was she always crazy? Was she always like <laughs> da, 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 da. Anyway. Um, and it was really interesting to see some of the um, opinions they held of me. Nothing that upset me, of course. Things did surprise me. Uh, so yeah, keep the TED Talks coming. Um, you can definitely educate me on this religion because I find it very interesting. Um, I like your idea about laying your cards on the table. Uh, from the very beginning, I think that's such a healthy idea. You know, you're, things change through time anyway, and you get to know people. In your own way but i think it's a really good way of having that stuff out there um from the get-go i did listen to two things online before i decided to download the dating app which i'd never done before so i'm a newbie um one was this woman and she was with her partner for 10 years not married and she said that the key to the success of their relationship was quarterly check-ins and at first i thought oh this woman is mad right but the more I listened to her, the more it just seemed to make total sense. And they would, 
get together once a quarter and have uh, sort of like an AGM. Now that would be annual, quarterly general meeting, I suppose. And if they had any concerns or um, things they wanted to hash out, they would sort of do it, they would have an agenda. And they would sit down for an hour or two uh, every quarter and talk about what was working, uh, what was no longer working, what they needed to change. Um, you know, sort of just an, an update, check in, where are we and are we still happy? And at the end of that meeting, they would decide if they were going to stay together. And they'd been doing that for 10 years and it was working for them because there were no surprises along the way. There were no grudges being held. There were no um, points of contention uh, as far as holding things in or passive aggressiveness and, and all of those toxic things that happen sometimes. Anyway, the second thing was I went to a uh, dating webinar, which was a total just, I just thought this will be a laugh. But one of the exercises was um, the idea of love. And they asked, what, what is love? And what is, what was the two questions? Sorry, um, don't want to say it wrong. Oh, how do you know you love someone? And how do you know you're in love with someone? And that I felt that that was really difficult because, you know, I have a son. I love him. I can feel it. You know, it's, it's almost tangible. Um, same with my family. Not all of them, of course, but uh, most of them or some of them. <laughs> and my cat. You know, I can feel it. But as far as what is, you know, how do you know if you're in love? I, I really struggled with that. Anyway, then we had to write down um, the things that we look for in a partner. And when we revealed our lists, uh, it was pointed out to me that my list was purely negatives. Um, not negative traits, but things that I don't want rather than things that I do want. And they explained to me that the brain can't think in negatives. And the more, I mean, I don't know if you believe in manifesting or anything like that, but basically by, by repeating the things that I was saying, I don't want someone who blank, I'm actually reinforcing it in my brain. And that's the thing because my brain isn't hearing the don't part. So I'm reinforcing in my brain the thing that I want, which is exactly what the thing that I don't want. And that is causing me to sort of attract the same type of person over and over and over again. And I found that very, very interesting. So I tried to arm myself with a, a few tools in getting back into like the dating scene. Um, so again, I'm a newbie. And um, yeah, anyway, I like your TED Talk. So keep them coming. Uh, quick follow up, because I, I got a bit lost in my freely associative wimbaggery there. But one of the things that Francisca and I often talk about as psychotherapists, but also as like Enneagram geeks is, you know, it's like the Holy Grail. It's like, well, who should we be? Who Who's right for us? You know, if I'm an SX4 and you're with a five fix and an eight fix and this, that and the other, um, you know, <laughs> sometimes like like to wear a bit of nail polish, Who who's right for me? kind of thing, right? Is it an SX2, an SP2, a social three, a whatever? Um, what, what, what is it? You know, what is the, 
what is what is the engineering, the um, egoic engineering, and what we understand by these deep egoic structures that hold ourselves together? What cells are going to just be able to exist more comfortably in each other's and their own ego cages when those ego cages are somehow put together in a relational capacity? And we have lots of interesting and probably very boring discussions for people who are not interested in this stuff, but about this, based on our own experiences and, you know, all the people we've dated and our, you know, various understandings of why that worked and didn't work according now to our uh, religion. And, um, and recently, recently, um, one, of the, one of our theories that we've been working on, and this is one that I'm actually quite, um, I'm quite, I'm quite, uh, I don't know, it, it has a lot of, it has some validity to me. And that is that I think compatibility, but genuine compatibility in the sense of, and, and I would hope this to be the case, genuine compatibility in the sense of that whatever maybe one finds shameful about themselves um, is somehow intuitively understood to be not shameful and maybe quite lovable by another person. And that's probably the person you're most likely to be compatible with in a strange way, because um, whatever your shadow is, they will see that shadow at some point. And if, you know, they will see that crazy at some point. And unless they have a way of, um, a way of genuinely well, we're back to the cover quote here, I'm going to send this to you, of genuinely doing that somehow, or at least seeing that the difference is a beautiful difference and not a, um, and not a difference that is somehow in conflict with what is different about them, because everyone's different, then maybe it might work, right? And my new understanding is that it's it's more about the instincts when it comes to compatibility between people, in the sense that, um, in the sense that actually, uh, let's say an SX two could actually probably have have a fairly fairly good relationship with another SX one, SX three, SX four, because it's the instincts that are very very important, particularly in a relational capacity and having more shared instincts than shared personality factors. Um, uh, again, what do you think? Sorry, I'm bombarding you with stuff here, but I'll send you my little thing about the instincts. Have a look at the SX instinct. See if that resonates for you as let's call it your dominant instinct. And then think about your last relationship, the person you were with in that relationship and think was this person also an SX type? Could have been any type, personality type, but were, were they SX dominant or were they more social dominant or self-praise dominant? Um, because I guess if you were with somebody and it really, really was, really was not a good match, I suspect that you are, you would be SX dominant and they were maybe social dom dominant or self-praise dominant. Again, another little hypothesis, but you tell me. I love you whether or not you love me. I love you even if you think that I don't. 
Sometimes I find you doubt my love for you, but I don't mind. Why should I mind? What is love anyway? Does anybody love anybody anyway? What is love anyway? Does anybody love anybody anyway? Can anybody love someone so much that they can never fear, never worry, never be sad? Answer is they cannot love this much, nobody can. That is why I don't mind you doubting. What is love anyway? Does anybody love anybody anyway? What is love? Circumstance may lead someone away from you, and not to spend your time just doubting what is love anyway. Does anybody love anybody anyway? What is love?